So we have spent the last couple of months um, in our Multiply series highlighting uh, God's commission for us all to make disciples. So hopefully by now we all understand that we are called to be disciples and to make disciples. Amen? Cool. Don't need to lay that foundation again. We can go back over it. No, hopefully we're all like, no, no, we've got it now. Okay, so now the task is actually to do it. Uh, Not to hear and and then not obey, but actually to hear it and obey. So for us as, as a leadership, I feel like some of my responsibility is to equip you in how to do that and to help you to remove any barriers that might get in the way of you fulfilling God's call on your life on you fulfilling the purposes of God. So you're not here to help me to fulfill God's purposes on my life, okay? I'm here to help you to fulfill God's purposes on your life, okay? So you're not here to do work for me. You're here to do work for Jesus, as we all are, and, uh, and we're here. I mean, you can, you'll share. I get impacted by people around me. I get equipped. I get loved. I get encouraged. I get supported. But we're, we're all carrying this thing together. It's not like, oh, that's a church thing. Oh, that's a church leadership thing. No, it's in every single person. If you call Jesus your Lord, then you are part of his disciple-making movement right across the earth. Yeah. Amen? All right, so we want to remove any barriers that might get in the way of this happening and also to provide tools that can help us to do that. Now, again, I love organic uh, movement. I love things when just things happen organically and relationally. That's the best way I think that things can happen. And so we don't want to be all about like creating programs and creating protocols and squishing people into a box, none of that sort of stuff. I love, especially discipleship, I love when discipleship just happens in the ebbs and flows of life. Like anything organic, organic things have structure. So sometimes we think organic just means like, ah, just flowing, kind of just, oh, whatever, you know, it's going with the flow. Not at all. A a tree certainly goes with the flow. Uh, It'll it'll move in in the wind and and, and even down to the leaves on it. Every leaf is is flexible, it's movable. It it is organic and yet it has structure. If you look at a leaf through through light, you can see all of the veins that that give it life. There's there's a shape to each individual leaf. Uh, And even with a tree, a tree can move, but there's a limit of where it doesn't move. Uh, And and a a limb will break off. Same with our bodies. Our bodies are organic, but if your knee tries to bend up that way, something's wrong. And you'll know it by the pain that you experience. So what we don't want is to just have this kind of free, oh, yeah, we'll just just see what happens. We want to have structure but also freedom and life. So we want to have those kind of tools that can help us in the moment to be able to do that. Again, do you need a little card with five names written on it and a sample prayer? No, but for a lot of people that might help. Oh yeah, I'm going to stick it on the fridge, stick it on the visor of the car or the steering wheel, just somewhere where I'm going to notice. That's right, I'm going to spend the next five minutes just praying for salvation for these people. And I don't really know where to start. Well, I've got an outline, but hopefully then it becomes an organic thing that happens at all times. Amen? So structure and organicness. All right, so what might be some potential barriers for us to to making disciples? So this is, again, a disciple is a follower of Jesus, someone who is modeling their entire life to be like him, but it is a transformative experience. So it's not just learning new things or doing new things, it's actually becoming a new person. Uh, That's the goal of God in Christ is to actually transform us to be like Jesus. So you no longer do the things that you used to do because you're no longer that person. 
And maybe for you, your experience of discipleship or your understanding in the past has been one of, oh, it's just learning a whole lot of stuff and a whole lot of knowledge or, um, or just trying not to do bad things anymore. Um, that's a really hard way to live. Uh, when we have a whole lot of knowledge and yet the experience of our life is different to that, that's what they call cognitive dissonance. There's this big gap between what I know and what I experience. Uh, and sometimes what happens is we end up then changing what we know to limit it to our experience, which is not helpful. Um, or we can just be about just trying not to do bad things. And again, that becomes really tiresome because our heart is, is broken, it's wounded, it's experienced hardship and trauma and uh, has beliefs that we're not aware of. And so we're wrestling then against ourselves to try and do what we feel like God wants us to do. So what we need is our hearts, our inner world to be transformed. And that's the journey that Jesus takes us on. Amen? So what are some potential barriers? Well, one, oftentimes we think about time. You might be super busy, lots of things going on. So time can be a barrier to making disciples. And my encouragement for you is to look at your time and say, what can be removed that I don't need to be doing? Because I feel like Jesus puts a priority on us making disciples. So he says, my priority is this. And if my life is yielded to God, then it means, well, my priority must be his priority. In all areas, whatever God says, this is my highest priority, then my heart's response should be, then that must be my highest priority. And if Jesus says, I'm putting a really high, it's the, it's, you know, his last command should be our first priority. I'm, put, I'm highlighting this for you. So cool, then I need to change my life in order to fit this in. I need to change what I'm doing in order to make time because being busy is not an excuse to be disobedient. We're going to say, I was just too busy to obey. It's just not going to stand with God. And again, I know he, he is a loving God. He is a gracious God. He is a merciful God. He is also a just God and a righteous God and a holy God and a jealous God. Uh, it's really important that we don't highlight the attributes of God's nature that make us comfortable, which is kind of what our nature tends to cause us to do. And we create God in our image or in the image that we want him to be rather than us being created in him is his image and us conforming to his likeness, which is the whole point of being a disciple. So time, easy done. Cut something out. That's not important. Um, to put that as a priority. Real, just look at your life. You can map out your life. Say, what are the things that I'm doing that's taking up huge amounts of time? And again, discipleship is, you can say, go and make disciples, or as you go, make disciples. It's an as-you-go reality. So it's, it's not saying, well, I, I have to quit my job then if I'm going to make disciples. It's no, as you work, make disciples. Well, I've got a family to look after. Awesome. So as you care and love your family, make disciples. You say, well, you know, how am I going to find time? It's inviting people over to your house for dinner. So you're already eating. You eat three times a day. Invite people into that meal space. It's real simple. Well, I've got, but I need to exercise. I need to stay fit. Awesome. Then, then sign up to a gym. Go for a walk and invite a friend. Like it's in all of those contexts that we could be making disciples in those places. It's not having to find a whole lot of set-apart time to do that. Confidence. Confidence can be something where we're like, I just, I don't, I just feel nervous about doing that, and maybe I feel like I don't know enough. Or I'm, um, you know, I'm, I was not good at school, or I'm, you know, I don't feel like I'm a leader like that person. I can't articulate the gospel like that person. Um, my encouragement: if you feel like you're lacking confidence, just do it scared. Do it ignorant. Do it poorly. Just do it. 
I, I think that is Jesus' standard because that's the standard of the disciples. That's what he put on the disciples. He could have picked from the elite and he chose to pick from the failures of society when it came to those sorts of religious things. So as I said the other week, like if, if Jesus chose those disciples, I don't think they would find a, a leadership role in a lot of churches these days. It'd probably be a higher standard, but Jesus, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to do it. And again, not feeling confident isn't an excuse to disobey. It's like, well, I'm just going to have to do it scared, Jesus. I don't really feel like I know enough. Cool. Well, you can learn more and you can be discipled, but you can just share. Inevitably, you know significantly more than what probably most people know about Jesus. So again, if you're scared, just do it scared. Well, maybe you don't have anyone to disciple. Maybe there's no one in your life. I, I, I struggle to think that that would actually be the case for any of us. Um, but then again, it's like, well, then I've got to start building new relationships. What can I do to start building new relationships? I've got a bit of spare time on the weekend. What, what club, what thing can I do? What place can I frequent? What can I do that would be different? How can I start interacting differently with the people that I work with? How can I start interacting differently with the people that live around me? I've shared many times before, but when we moved into uh, our current house that we're in, obviously before we, we rebuilt and all that, but I would, if I was sitting in the house and I heard a screen door slam or close, I'd be out the front. Because I'm like, that's, that's a neighbor exiting their house potentially. And that might just be an opportunity for a chance. Hey, how you doing? A chance encounter, a chance relationship. Uh, I get a, you know, I've got a neighbor over the fence and so I'll hear him out in the backyard and I'll just wander up and, hey, yeah, you know, just yell out and say day, and it just starts those conversations. Just kind of simple things like that where we get to create those opportunities. But if I sat in my house and I didn't interact with anyone, then I'd say, well, yeah, again, you could do it online. Find people, start befriending people on Facebook, like one of those people, you know, you could... I'm just saying, there's endless opportunity. And again, maybe one of the barriers is I just don't know where to start. That's often can be, that's, you know, can be the case for a lot of people, I think. It's like, well, but where do I start? So I've got these people. How do I, how do I get them into that place? And what would I do if I was to, to make a disciple? Like, what would I do if, if I actually asked someone and they said, uh, yes, yes, please, I'd like, to, I'd like to know more about Jesus. And again, you don't have to formalize it. Say, so, uh, excuse me, uh, sir, would you, would you uh, care to become a disciple of Jesus? Um, discipleship is, again, an organic experience. It's just about building relationship, but taking it deeper, taking it to that next level. Saying, hey, it's sharing your faith. We've covered all of this stuff when I've shared before in the Multiply series, so you can go watch it again. But, but it's, it is just starting that conversation. Saying, hey, would you, like to, would you like to know more? I'd love to just share kind of my faith journey, share your testimony, to start that process with somebody. It's simple it's easy. So where do we start with discipleship? Maybe for ourselves or for others. Um, we just, we've got to start somewhere. We've got to do something. Again, just take a step over the line. Inquire of somebody. Ask somebody. If you don't know how to do it, say, hey, can you help me to do it? Now, we've put together a bit of a framework which we're going to get into. Um, but again, I think it's really important. I love how Greg highlighted a few weeks ago about the difference between cultural Christianity and actually biblical Christianity. We can fall into this uh, a culture of what it is to be a Christian, which is essentially doing kind of some Christian activities in our lives, participating in those things on a regular basis, and kind of just behaving, being a bit more moral, a bit nicer to people, um, 
you know, those sorts of things. And we become enculturated into, into Christianity. So we know, well, I know where I go on a Sunday and I do these different things and I, and I pray and I read the Bible. I do this sort of cultural Christianity. And that, unfortunately, can be the dominant form of Christianity in the West. But what Jesus presents to us is a biblical Christianity, which is about being a disciple, being transformed into his likeness, and then participating with God, helping other people to do that. You can't experience the reality of the kingdom of God unless you're a disciple of Jesus. So unless you've been born again, and the more that you're being changed into his likeness, the more you get to experience his fullness. So the benefit of being a disciple is for our sake. You are, if you're a Christian, if you've been born again by the Holy Spirit, you will go to heaven, you will live in eternity with Jesus. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ. That is done. It, that, that work is finished. It was finished on the cross. We remembered it as we took communion today. There is nothing you can do to change that. You didn't save yourself. You didn't crucify yourself. You didn't rise from the dead. Jesus did all of those things, and he has given that as a free gift to you, which you have received in that moment of salvation. Okay? You can't earn anything. You can't earn anything back from God. You can't say, well, I've, God's paid the price, but I've got to try and pay him back. Because everything that you do for God, you do by his grace. So the reality is you become more indebted to God the more that you do for God. So your account starts at zero and it just depletes from there. Because everything that you do that is good and for God, God is doing on your behalf in you through his power and his presence. So you're just getting... You're just getting more and more bankrupt is the reality because it's God doing more and more. But that's not what we're talking about in discipleship. This is not trying to pay God back. This is not trying to get yourself to a level where God will finally accept you. You are accepted and he chose you. You didn't choose God. God chose you. You just responded to his choice. Okay? So we can rest and we can, be, we can just settle into that place. Okay. Now, I know you might need to do some journey and some repentance and all of that. That's okay. But that's not what we're talking about when we talk about discipleship. We're talking about, now, what is it like to live in the fullness of God? But in order to experience the kingdom, I have to be transformed into the likeness of the king. And the more I'm transformed, the more I get to experience, the more I get to encounter. It's not a foreign thing, but it's something that I live in daily. Amen. So we have, we've created a practical framework for you. Now this is work Jess Talbot, up the back there, uh, has, has put this together. It's amazing, it's phenomenal, and it's hilarious. Um, um, it's not, it's great, it's wonderful, it's fantastic. Now this is what we've called DNA groups. So these are... Groups where we disciple, nurture, and keep each other accountable. You've probably heard us use this language before. Maybe some of you are in DNA groups already. But we're really wanting to encourage you to look at this as a framework for either becoming a disciple yourself or learning how to make disciples of others. It's a really simple thing. It's easily reproducible. It costs nothing for you to do it uh, except for your life. Um, uh, but, which you've already given to Jesus, so it's, it's all good. But again, this is just a simple kind of framework that can help you to be and to make disciples. So if, someone, if we can hand these out, hopefully everyone should get one. This is, uh, again, we've got a little kind of two-page flyer for you all. This just gives the basics of what a DNA group is all about. If you want more info, a more succinct outline, we have a little booklet 
Again, multiple pages of great, amazing stuff which then fleshes it out more. Or you can jump onto our website, paradox.church forward slash DNA, and it's got all of that booklet in digital form. In the booklet as well, as on the, uh, on the fly, there's a QR code. If you don't know what that is, ask a young person. Uh, but use your camera. You, take, you focus on that with your camera on your phone. Click on it, and it'll take you to our discipleship resources page. So again, a whole lot more uh, resource for so basic Christianity. We've got podcasts. We've got leadership development stuff. A whole lot of great stuff on that website. Again, this is days and weeks and months of, of putting things together, meeting, discussing, trying to create this. This is for you. Okay, who's this for? Yes. Okay, it's not for me. Again, we like nice-looking things, but we don't. We've got better things to do than than design booklets. Um, so this is for you. So I would really love for you to at least read it, yeah, uh, and then consider, hey. Uh, Am I making disciples? If the answer is no, this is a good place to start. It's just finding two or three or up to five people we recommend uh, of the same gender that you can get together with regularly that can help you to become a disciple of Jesus and can help you to make disciples of others. Amen? So we're going to talk a little bit about it. So DNA stands for Discipleship, Nurture and Accountability. So DNA groups have three to five women or three to five men who regularly meet together Supporting one another and becoming more like Jesus. Now, again, this is slightly different to mentoring in a sense. Discipleship is different to mentoring. In mentoring, we tend to say, this is my desire and this is what I want. Can you help me to achieve that? So we're often aware of our need and then we present our need to someone and they help our needs to be met. They help us to be developed. When it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, it's not about our needs or our desires. It's what is Jesus' desire? What is his need of me? What are his requirements? And I'm pursuing and going after that. Okay? So sometimes in our Christian walk, um, we can end up only recognizing that which we lack, that which we need, that which is out of alignment, and then we go and can seek out help for that. Um, in discipleship, sometimes it's, I didn't even realize that that was a requirement. I didn't realize that that was a need of Jesus. I didn't even realize that was a command of God. So it's about putting ourselves intentionally in a relational environment where people are going to help us to see what we don't see and then help us to find out what the barriers are for us walking that out and then keeping us accountable to actually fulfilling that call. So there is a, there's, a, there's an instigation kind of dimension to it. We want to be challenged in, in where our lack is. Well, I want to be. I don't know. Maybe you want to be comfortable. I get that. It's totally normal and understandable. For me, I'm like, no, nah, Jesus paid the price for my life. I want my life to count. And I want more and more people to know him. And I want to live in his kingdom. I want to experience that every day. And I know when I... When I fall back into my ways and my habits, life doesn't go well for me. And life's not filled with joy and blessing and awesomeness. It's just filled with isolation and disconnection and comfort, which is really just the removal of anything that would cause any form of irritation, which is just really a disconnection from life. I don't want comfort. And the reality is our Australian culture is, has, worships the idol of comfort. 
So again, I just really want to encourage you, if, if, if comfort is something that's, a, that's an idol in your life, you've got to take that thing to Jesus and let him crucify it. Because uh, it will not move you forward in your relationship with God and you won't experience more of the fullness that he has for you. It's going to be uncomfortable and that's why we have the comforter. Holy Spirit. If you're not experiencing the comforter, maybe you need to make yourself a little bit more uncomfortable. Sailor. All right. So we know DNA groups, it's about discipleship. So it's about intentionally getting together, saying, I want to become more like Jesus and I want you to help me. So the focus is on him. It's not upon, oh, this is, this is the struggle in my life and this is what I'm going through and this is what I'm doing. And, and it's not about you, it's about Jesus. Amen? Now, in that process, there is also nurture. Now, it's, so it's not something we're just going to be militantly just do this. and No, it's about actually acknowledging, and this is where I'm struggling. This is what I'm going through. But we don't want to make nurture groups where that becomes the priority. Because oftentimes we can get stuck in our own kind of business that's, that's going on and our own kind of victimhoodness. Uh, but we want to be saying, no, no, remember, we're, we're here to, to, to become like Jesus. We're here to, that's our focus is to glorify him in everything that we do. But nurture is an important part of that and also is accountability. Now, accountability isn't, you know, slapping you on the hand when you do bad things. It's accounting for your ability. So you have the ability to become more like Jesus because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the desire to become like Jesus, which is why you would be part of a DNA group. And then the other people in that group, it's like, hey, we're going we're gonna to make sure that you are accountable for your ability, that you're going to rise up to the call of God on your life, that you're going to become all that Jesus has designed and destined you to be. And that's what accountability is for, is others coming around us. I know for me, man, I just need that. I want people to encourage me. I want people to speak into my life. I want people to, to breathe fire on, on, on what is going on in my life. Because again, sometimes you just get stuck and you get, I want to tell you, I've been, I've been pastoring full time for 20 years. That's it. It's exhausting. It's demoralizing often. Like it's just hard and just beating the same thing and feeling like you're not getting anywhere and all of the, the conflict. It's like it's just hard. I just, I just know I need people around me and we've got a great and wonderful team. And I'm not saying you guys are all beautiful and wonderful, but you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, hard. It's just hard work following Jesus. There's blessing and then there's the hardship. There's the pioneering. There's all of those things that come along with it. So to have people that can gather around you and, and pour into you, it's like, man, that's... I know I need that. I desire that. I want that. You can read more about that. A couple of things that DNA groups are not, they are not a meeting. So if you hear group, don't think time, place, meeting, any of that sort of stuff, okay? You, can, you could never meet face-to-face and you could be part of a DNA group, okay? The point is it's a group. It's a collective of people that are all choosing to pursue Christ and they're choosing to do that together to support one another on that journey. A small group of people that are committed to supporting one another to grow in their discipleship relationship with Jesus. Number one. Number two is not a social club. This is not to find your best friends. You might, you might become best friends and that's wonderful and that's great. This is not the point of a DNA group. So it's not to be best buddies and it's not even to get around your best buddies. So you might think, oh, I know exactly who I'd want to be in a DNA group with. Can I encourage you? do friendship with people and do that. And again, if you feel like, hey, we want to take our friendship deeper, that's also good. But don't just think about who, who am I going to get along best with. Actually think about who, who do I want to receive from or who do I want to disciple. 
who are some people that I feel like I could pour my life into and they would benefit from me? Amen? Yeah. DNA groups are also not an end in themselves. So the, the, the point of these is to multiply. So you might start with two people. You just, I just know this, me and this person, and we're going to say, we're going to invite others into this group eventually. So we come across somebody else. Maybe it's a new person that comes along on a Sunday here. It's a, it's a work colleague. It's a friend, whoever it is. It's like we're going to begin to grow this group. And then you get to six people. All right, guys, now it's time to have two DNA groups of three people. Okay, and then you're going to keep that. And as they grow, that's how they multiply. That's how the early church multiplied. That's how it took over. The Roman Empire was just through people interacting with people. It's families, households. It's all in those spaces that we're just building relationship and making disciples in those places. So the goal is to multiply. And it's a beautiful way to do that because it's really simple. So again, you might look at starting one with your peers because you're like, I feel like I need to become a disciple. Maybe you're in that place. There's zero shame here. If you're like, I don't think I'm a disciple of Jesus. If you're like, I think I've fallen into the trap of cultural Christianity and I just kind of go through the motions each week and I, and I do all of those things to alleviate guilt, um, but I'm not necessarily thriving. I'm not being transformed more into his likeness. Zero shame here. Wherever you are at, totally fine. But we want to help you to move beyond that place. Amen? So you might just say, I feel like I need to get around some people so that I can grow in my own discipleship. That's awesome. But think of that as a season and then think about and how is that going to then move to a place where I start making disciples of Jesus on my own. Okay, that's where we want to see it. So it might start with peers, but I encourage you, just think of someone. Maybe there's someone in this church that you think, hey, I could, I could pour into their life. I could support them. I could encourage them. And then go and ask the question. Say, hey, you want to, you want to get into a, a DNA group together? And they might say, no, that's okay. They're not rejecting you. Don't feel bad. It's all good. As I said before, oh no, I haven't said before. As I'm, as I'm about to say, <clears throat> sometimes you say fill phrases when you're preaching and then you realize that that doesn't work at all. And I can't even mold that to fit in. So I just backtrack there. Um, how do I find a DNA group? Just be brave and ask people. Uh, don't, wait, don't wait to be asked. Don't be a Cinderella. There's too many Cinderellas in the church waiting around for Prince Charming to come and, you know, just, this is the perfect match. Just go and ask people. Hey, you know, just, hey, you want to do this? Hey, can you disciple me? Hey, do you need someone to disciple you? What happens is generationally in the church is if disciples aren't being made, then it, within one generation, the whole church dies out. Or if people aren't becoming and being made disciples of Jesus, then what happens is you get a whole lot of new Christians who come in and they just stay in immaturity. And they might serve, they might even be given leadership positions, and yet they don't emulate Christ. Even, you know, Kai's testimony of, of, of this woman, she's had this experience of being in a, in a Christian or religious environment, and it was a really, really toxic environment. How can Christ be Lord and a church be toxic? That's a dichotomy. Those two things cannot go together. And the reality is a church is toxic because Christ isn't Lord in that place. People are toxic because Christ isn't Lord. And that's the problem because discipleship is not the norm in Western culture. What I'm talking to you about, the, the focus that we're putting on, not because we're wonderful or we're great. It's just I know it's not normal in the church. I know it's very normal in the Bible. It is the inherent culture of the, the world that they lived in. 
And yet it's not necessarily normal in the Western church. Eastern church, underground church, absolutely normal. It has to be the norm because it's the only way that the church grows and multiplies and sustains itself. But the Western church too often is, is a, it's, it has the form of Christianity, but it's lacking the power of God. Pretty sure that was prophesied <laughs> in the Bible. It has the form of God, but it's lacking power because it's lacking authority because it's not under lordship. And you come under lordship by being formed into the likeness of Jesus. Like it is the, it's the pathway to do that. God wants to pour out more authority and more power into his people, but he wants the people that can steward that well. So we can say, can I steward the power of God? I, 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 I get like promotion scares me. Because I know that the glory of God can destroy me. I know the promotion of God can destroy me if my character is not in alignment with God's power. All right, so just ask people. <laughs> and again, it might be the thing where I know it's not normal sometimes. Hey, would you, is anyone discipling you? Would you, would you, would you be open to, to, to me discipling you? That kind of feels a bit weird. Well, who are you to think about? Think, are you higher than me? It's not a hierarchical thing. But the reality is, there's a good chance that you might be more mature than other people in your journey with Jesus. That you might know some more things. You might have journeyed longer with, with Jesus. That's great. And other people should want to receive from that. And again, it's, it's, that's why I love the older generation. You have so much to give. How, whatever age you're at, you have so much to give. So don't count yourself out. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in having a hip young church. I've been, a, I've been a young person. I wouldn't say I was a hip young person, but I've been a young person. Young people aren't the best people to lead the body of Christ, in my opinion. Sometimes they've got lots of energy and lots of pizzazz. Who uses pizzazz these days? Me, this guy. Um, you can tell I'm not young or hip or cool anymore. But man, there's an older generation who has so much to give, but, it, but oftentimes it's in those quiet conversations. It's not necessarily in the big spectacular things that go on. It's actually just in those places where you can just be a, be a mother or a father to, to that next generation to be pouring in. That's what we need. So whatever age you're at, you have something to offer. And I'm not, I'm not putting down... Uh, for me, I chose to start following Jesus. I mean, I started attending church when I was 16. I chose Jesus when I was about 19. Um, but that journey, it was all, it was, I can, I know the people in my life that had significant impact on me. And they're the reason why I'm still following Jesus today, I'd say. Because they cost themselves to pursue me, to pursue my heart, to, to, to challenge me, to keep me accountable, to confront me when I was doing dumb things. I remember, no. My kids know some of my history, <laughs> but I remember the time where um, I was a new Christian, and, uh, but I was planning for the first time to take like, some serious hardcore drugs, uh, and I was going to go to a rave party. And uh, so I, I had said yes to Jesus, I just wasn't following him. And there was a, a, a girl, she might have been a year older than me who'd been the one who had initially kind of invited me along. So I, I had a girlfriend when I was 16, and it was her friend who invited me along to church. And, so, and she became this person who, who pursued me and was discipling me. And, uh, and she found out about this plan. 
And so she rings me up. She says, I'm coming over to the house. And she confronted me about it. Like she stood and she's like, I, I don't want you to do this. You need to not do this. And because I honored her and respected the relationship that we had, because she had helped me so much in my journey with Jesus that I said, okay, I won't do it. And again, I don't know how significant that turning point would have been for me. If she hadn't chosen to fearfully cost herself to come and confront this young kind of 18-year-old, you know, idiot. Um, <laughs> but she did. And on the same day, another guy, you know, who was in the church, again, she came around and he had a whole bag of drugs and she made him flush it down the toilet. <laughs> like she was, she was hardcore. She wasn't, you wouldn't have picked it up from her, but, you know, she, she was because she, she loved us so much. These two guys in the church who were, you know, and it, but she's just like, I, I love you guys and I don't want you to make these bad mistakes. Turning points for me. But that's what it takes to cost ourselves and to, to pour ourselves out into others. You don't understand the impact that you're having. Again, as, as Robin prays for this woman, like a simple little thing, like, hey, can I pray for you? And, or even just asking how you're actually doing. Turning point for, for somebody. A turning point where God became real, maybe for the first time ever for that woman. Simply by asking, can I pray for you? It's amazing. So again, there, are, there might be two different groups. You might start with a peer group. I encourage you, my, my, the thing I'm most excited about is that is you discipling people who, who aren't disciples today. So people that might be younger than you or less mature in the Lord. Just find them out. Pray them in. If there is no one, pray them in. And again, it doesn't have to be in this church. It could be anywhere. It could be from another church. You could have relationships with people. So it's not a paradox thing. This is a Jesus thing. Amen? Amen. Yeah. All right. Don't focus on whether you feel like you need to be part of a DNA group. If you might feel like, oh, I'm actually pretty good. Pretty good on my discipleship journey. Awesome. The one thing you're lacking is the call to make disciples. So if you think, oh, I don't need to make disciples... You've, you've, because I'm just doing good in my own discipleship journey. You've, you've missed that part of the command of Jesus to do it. So really good to... But again, don't think about what you need. Think about what can I give to others. Shift that around. Consider who might need your discipleship and form a group with those people. I think lots of people are like, hey, I feel like they would benefit from my journey and I could pour in, help them to do that. Or again, you might feel like, I don't know how much I had to offer, but I could host people and to help them on this journey. And it's going to change the intentionality of what you do. Again, you might not share to the same depth of your own journey because people aren't in a place necessarily to carry you maturely. So you might have others that you are, these people are, are peers that are pouring into me or I'm being discipled by other people that I'm sitting under and, and receiving from. And then you've got people that, for me, that's the best ways that you've got people you're receiving from. There are people that, are, that you're journeying with and there are people that you're pouring into. Amen. Awesome. We just want to share a couple of testimonies from people who in our community have been part of a DNA group. Where's Kev? Is there a, Kev, do you want to come and share? This is Kev. Kev's amazing. Yeah. So Kevin Ali live on site. Kev's our, our site manager. He does all of, oversees all of the reno stuff. Uh, he also, uh, they uh, lead one of our prayer gatherings. Just amazing, all-round, wonderful people. But uh, share away. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, 
I had a lot of thoughts about the DNA group, but one of the things that it came to me was um, it is scary when you initially step up and say, I want you to speak into my life. I want you to um, point out things, as Brad said. I want you to show me things that aren't right in my life. I've, um, we, I started trying to get a DNA group probably a little while ago, probably six months ago, and it didn't sort of take off. But then it was sort of like I felt in my heart I needed to... I needed to go deeper in myself and I needed someone to speak into me so I would actually go deeper in Christ. Mm. And that's what I wanted. It wasn't so much I, I just want to follow this person or follow that person. I wanted God deeper in me. And I needed someone because I knew who I was. If I didn't do anything, I wouldn't do anything. I would just sit back. If I didn't actually make that move, I'd just sit back and relax. And a bit like Brad was saying, is just being nobody. So I managed to get a few guys together and it was sort of like, okay, we need to get together. And, and so we started the DNA group and it's actually really good. They are peers with me and that, and it's good because they've spoke, spoken into my life and it's good. But what it's done is it's stirred my heart inside me to think I need to start putting into some people that don't have the same sort of thing as I have. And I, I might be able to give them some little bits and pieces. So... Yeah, it is scary to go, hey, would you like to be in a DNA group or could we be in a DNA group together? But just ask. It is, it is something that we can ask and we can all learn. We can learn from... I've, I've, I used to learn from my kids when I'd tell them off and God would be tapping me on the shoulder doing the same sort of thing. So we can learn from the youngest people as they travel and they... Because some of the times they come out with the purer stuff. And because we've been so religious in the things that we've done, we go, oh, that's true, you're right. And so that's the advantage of it. It's like in a group of three or four or five people, you're bouncing off. Each person brings a different way of looking at something and it actually speaks into our hearts. Amen. And it is such a blessing. Amen. Awesome. Yeah, I love that scripture, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness. Seek is, is the word there. It's actually going after that. Oftentimes we get to the place where we're like, I'm actually, I'm kind of good. Like I'm not doing anything really bad in my life. I'm not sitting, you know, dramatically or I've dealt with some of those issues. But Jesus, seek, which means pursue, go after more. And that's what, again, so it's coming around saying, I've, I've depleted my resources. I need others that can then be speaking in and challenging me. And it's great. Lynn, do you want to come in? Share. This is Lynn. Lynn's also amazing. Uh, what, what don't you do? So you work at Lily Haven doing bookkeeping. Uh, was uh, for a long time uh, with Elijah House overseeing that stuff. You still do prayer ministry, um, helping with our freedom ministries that we're launching, which is really exciting. But uh, you're a blessing. You're great. Thanks. Share away. Thanks, Brad. Um, yeah, I've been in a DNA for over a year now and a peer DNA, and um, it's been a journey of knowing and being known, mm. and, um, and in that, um, for myself, my, for personally, in my discipleship, um, there's, uh, I've had a, a lot of freedom come with my voice, <laughs> like, I, there was a, a and I guess an assignment all my life on my voice. So um, in that DNA, in that peer DNA, I was really encouraged 
and challenged and, um, yeah, and it was a safe place. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's been wonderful in that area to be able to, um, in any forum, speak up, you know, relationally or ministry or whatever, you know. And uh, the other benefit that I've noticed is... Um, uh, in that, about the same time, I reconnected with some old friends that um, are not walking with the Lord. And um, it's been a wonderful uh, forum in the peer DNA to come back and say, oh, I need prayer about this. Or, you know, how can I practically bring kingdom in this, in this area for, you know, uh, for them? Um, also, it's just been wonderful to reconnect with them. And I really do feel the love of God. It's like fun, you know, to, to go out with them. It, it's a joy because um, Jesus is loving them through me. And I've had opportunity to pray for them. And I tell you, it's the quickest place to see answers to prayer is in that forum too. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been really beneficial and I love it. And, yes, it's a cost too, but... It's, it's, the time is so valuable. It's so, it's such an investment, not only in myself, but in the beautiful friends that I, I meet with, um, inside and out of my peer and, you know, whatever. But yeah, it hasn't been hard to really connect, connect with these friends. It's been uh, fun as well. Yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. Amen. Awesome. So just to clarify, anyone can create a DNA group. We don't need any qualifications. This is the thing where we're not, we're not saying, oh, no, the leaders need to disciple. You can disciple anyone. You are completely free because it's not a church thing. It's a Jesus thing. So whoever you want to disciple, you go ask them. If they say no, then that's all good as well. Um, but I encourage you, find Go out, reach out to people, reach out, connect with neighbors. Again, it can take on any form. And you don't need to follow any of this stuff. Okay, there's nothing magical about it. It's really just taking wisdom from others that have gone before us and putting it into a framework. But I think sometimes frameworks help us to stay in that rhythm and in that flow and in that intentionality. Uh, but again, man, if you're out making disciples and you're doing all that sort of stuff just organically here, there, and everywhere, bless you. So awesome. Um, I feel like my responsibility is to put before you what Jesus is calling us all to do and has for. for ever since he started the church. Um, it's not my job to do it for you. It's not anyone else's job to do it for you. It's each one of us taking on that responsibility. Awesome. I think one of the worst things that could happen for the devil would be the multiplication of Christ on the earth. It's the thing he fears most. Evidently, it's probably why it's been so squashed in the church. Uh, Dallas Willard calls it the great omission in the modern Western church instead of the great commission because we've just, we've just missed that essential dynamic. And we end up multiplying churches, which is this kind of gatherings of people who call Jesus Lord, who aren't necessarily all living under their lordship. Plenty of years. And again, this is not a downplay. This is a, we're wanting to increase the presence of discipleship because we want to increase the presence of Christ. Jesus destroyed the works of the enemy. He set people free from bondage and brokenness and sin. 
And that is what happens when we commit to being disciples of Jesus. We start to walk in his ways. We start to emulate his nature. We start to do the things that Jesus did. And that petrifies the devil. Because that is the way that the kingdom expands. That is the way that the, that the church expands on the earth, is people being discipled. Not people gathering together in big concerts or anything like that. And again, I'm not opposed to what a Sunday thing looks like, as long as disciples are being made. But too often, it's kind of just tilted towards one side. And here, please hear all of that. I love the church. I love the bride. It's what I do, what I do. Uh, is because I, but I just want to see the bride of Christ thrive. And uh, for me, this is one of the keys. So the more we become like Jesus, the more freedom we walk in, the more abundant life we get to experience, the deeper our fellowship with God becomes, and the more we get to experience the reality of God's glorious kingdom today. That's the fruit of discipleship, is you get to experience and encounter more of God. Amen? And you get to steward that for yourselves. I have a whole lot more stuff to say, but I'm going to leave it there uh, time-wise. But I just really want to pray for you. I want to bless you, and I just want to invite the grace of God to help us on this journey. Amen? The transformation of nations depends upon us making disciples of Jesus. It's God's plan A. And I just want to encourage you, please just give it a go. If you, if you don't have a framework, just take this one and say, I'm just going to give it a go. I'm going to get together with people, give it six months. If it produces no good fruit, then stop it. Um, but hopefully, and inevitably, it will uh, if you commit to it and uh, you'll see the fruit of following Jesus. Yeah, so there's more booklets up on the, uh, on the table there. Uh, and if you want more, we'll print more. Um, so get in first and grab one. If not, you can look it all up online. Amen? Amen. Did I talk fast enough? Yes? Good. Well done. You can play it back in half speed on, on YouTube or something, Spotify. All right, you, if you're able to stand, why don't you stand with me? Thank you. Thank you. Your Father, I just acknowledge that... Uh, talking about disciple making you spoke about disciple making you did it Lord but again disciple making isn't the goal there is an unto reality of that and father I pray that you would stir in our hearts that the unto reality Lord which is more of you in our life more of an experience of your presence Holy Spirit more freedom and righteousness and life in us and through us Lord more of your kingdom flowing out of us, Lord. And for the people around us, Father, that they would experience more of you because we would show them what it's like to live in your kingdom. When we say yes to you, we don't get it all, Lord. We don't understand it all. We don't know how to walk in it. But that's what you do as we follow you as disciples, Jesus. You teach us how to live in your kingdom. You teach us how to walk in your ways. And the natural fruit of that is we get to encounter you more. We get to experience you more. We get to enjoy that depth of fellowship. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release a grace for disciple-making upon this community, Lord. Your grace is your empowering presence, Lord. 
So we say, Father, in our own power, in our own strength, we can't do it. We need your grace. We need your power, Holy Spirit. We need your presence, Holy Spirit. It might be just to stir up love in our hearts and a desire to cost ourselves for the sake of others, Lord. It might be your grace to overcome any fear of rejection, just to ask and to reach out and connect. It might be your grace even just to keep it on the forefront of our mind and of our heart and of our prayer life, Lord. I think the world is yet to see a discipled church. A church that truly reflects Christ. It is your desire. It's my desire. I believe it's our desire, Lord, to see your church reflect your nature. And that just means we've got to be transformed into your nature. So if you want to agree with me, I'm just agreeing, yes, Jesus, change me. Yes, Jesus, transform me. And Father, we choose to humble ourselves before you. That is the pathway to receive grace. The Apostle Paul said that, Lord, you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. So we come before you humbly, Lord. And we say we cannot do this on our own. We need your help. We need your grace. We don't know what we need to know. We don't have what it takes, but you have what it takes. So we humbly come before you and we boldly come before you, Lord, that we might receive grace and mercy in our time of need. Father, I pray that you would highlight to us those in our lives that we could invite into this discipleship journey. And, and our first DNA group might just start with inviting a neighbor over for coffee. It doesn't have to be a name doesn't have to be called DNA. doesn't have to have any of those things, Lord. But I just pray that you would help us to see the necessity of disciples being made, Lord. But again, it would be a longing that people would encounter you and experience you and walk in newness of life as we do, Lord. And Father, would you forgive us for the ways that we have become so busy doing good activities that we've missed out on doing the very things that you've commanded us to do. We acknowledge, Lord, that our busyness is not an excuse for disobedience, Lord. We want to obey you because we love you, Jesus. But would you help us, Lord? Would you help us to love you and to love others well? That is our desire. That is your desire for us, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. We thank you for opportunities, Lord to go, to make, to train, to immerse, to send. It is what you're doing on the earth, Lord, and we, we are delighted to partner with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Bless you, family. If you're, if you're needing prayer for anything, we would love to pray and minister to you. Um, come forward, fill up this space. Uh, if not, we have morning tea. Please stick around and enjoy some fellowship and fun and connection with new people. If you're new or visiting, we'd love to connect with you. We bless you. Amen.